0: So uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, please turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. We are in a series right now called Dawn is Coming, and uh, I love that idea. Um, I'm not sure when the last time you were up early enough to see the sunrise. Um, it's happening later and later and later in the morning. Uh, but it's a great thing when, that, when dawn starts to rise. I've, I've gone on a couple camping trips with my dad and my brothers and we've gone camping where we where you don't take a tent you basically just sleep outside. And those were miserable nights I'll just tell you. <laughs> uh, I am not that's just not you know if, I am a I'm a glamper I like to glamper I'll just be honest with you. Uh, so I grab my sleeping bag and I pull as tight as I can around my face because you don't know what's coming sniffing in the middle of the night. And it was so cold but I could at least breathe a little bit out the nose hole and. But, man, those nights seemed like they drug on forever. And when, when that sun started to come up, it's like, woo! all right, dawn is coming. Like, it is getting better. Uh, and that's the whole point of the book of 1 Peter. Um, the whole point uh, is that this is a letter to Christians who are going through very difficult times, and he says, hang on, be encouraged, um, dawn is coming. Um, it helps us to know a little bit about the author, and uh, even though you know we believe that God wrote... Um, the Bible through human authors, it's helpful to know what the authors were like, because you can learn more about what they're writing through their perspective. In Peter's life, uh, Peter the author, uh, he, he was very close to Jesus, but his life was, uh, as one author said, a bundle of contradictions. Um, Peter's life, at moments, he was a shining star, like he, he was a rock star sometimes. Um, you know, he's the one that walked on water to walk to Jesus. Like, None of the other disciples did amazing things like that. But at other times, uh, Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. So like, that was a little bit of a low moment for Peter. <laughs> uh, Peter had amazing, bold moments. He said, Jesus, I will die for you. He's like full of, of boldness. I will die for you, Jesus. And not long after that, a little girl says, hey, don't you know this Jesus guy? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he denies Jesus. So like, Peter is all over the place. But we see a transformation in Peter's life. Um, we see this up and down, uh, you know, cycle that we see in Peter's life before Jesus' resurrection. But something happens after Jesus' resurrection that Peter uh, kind of levels out. That Peter becomes uh, bold Peter, and he leads the early church. Um, he's not afraid of persecution anymore. And so we see this like overcoming in Peter's life. And so when he writes to these Christians. He's writing them a message that they can overcome the trials and the challenges that they're going through, that they can overcome the difficulties. And so he says, hey, I've been there, like, I know things are difficult, but take heart, be encouraged, dawn is coming, you will overcome. And that's an encouraging message to me. Um, you know, there are, I feel like, Peter, there's many days when uh, I feel like, hey, I'm doing great, like, I'm, I'm on top of things, I can handle COVID, I can handle... Uh, the season in the life of our church, like everything is good, but then there are other days. it's was like, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. Anybody else relate that to that or feel that way? Uh, this past week, for some reason, I just like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. The phrase "I'm over it" uh, sounded very appropriate to me. <laughs> I just want to be done. I'm done with the politics. I'm done with uh, the hatred. I'm done with. I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done. And so, but what I think is important though is as we look at this letter and as we're walking through this letter, uh, we're taking uh, bits and pieces of it each week, Um, and and here's where we've been so far. Let me just kind of summarize where we've been so far. Uh, Week one. Here's a basic summary: is this, is that you have more to live for, than the here and now. So one of our challenges, is to recognize that, we're living right now, but. We have more to live fo- for than just right now so that changes how we approach right now if this is all that there is if this is the only thing we're living for then that's one way to live but if we recognize that how we live now is affecting things in the future not just the immediate future but like eternity then it changes our approach to how we live right now You guys following with that so what peter's reminding them and reminding us is hey take heart this is not all that there is. Uh, there's something else to live for. So your life right now is important because you're living not just for now, but you're also living for how this impacts eternity. So hang on. Uh, there is more to come. Then week two, we talked about change and the hope of change. And we talked about this basically summarizes the idea that change happens from the inside out. That if you really want to see true change in your life, It happens when you allow God to work in your life at a heart level. That the heart is the deepest part of who you are as a human being. And while all the talk that's going on in culture about changing society is important and good, we recognize that that will ultimately not produce the change that we want it to if there's not also a change in our own hearts. And I know that you would agree with that. Um, So we need God to change our hearts, and so Peter talked to them and said, hey, if God is in your life, if you put your trust in Jesus, he changes your heart as well, so you can be confident that God is also going to change you from the inside out. So today's message, in a nutshell, is this, that God makes all the difference. So one of the things that drives me is that I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. For some reason, God has placed it inside of me that I can picture myself laying on my deathbed, and I don't wanna look back on my life with regret. I wanna know that I left it all out on the field, that I did everything I could to love my family, to love my wife, and to, to lead God's church. You know, I don't wanna waste a minute. I wanna make a difference. And for some reason, that drives me. And so I think um, the struggle that I have in that is going, man. Some days I just, I it's enough. All I can do just to uh, make sure that I'm surviving the day, let alone like making some kind of big, like world impact. Yes, <laughs> if you guys feel that way or not. Um, but it is God that makes the difference. It is God that makes a difference, and I want to have us see that today in 1 Peter chapter 2. So open up to 1 Peter chapter 2, and so Peter's going to be making this argument. He's going to be giving us three different challenges, and here's the first challenge that he's going to give to us. He's going to challenge us to be different in the way that we treat others, so God helps us. To be different in the way that we treat other people. Let's look at what it says in the first three verses of 1 Peter chapter 2. It's not going to be on the screen for you. I'm I'm being mean and uh, making you look on a Bible or on your app, but uh, we'll get back to eventually having some of that on the screen, but you guys can just listen if you don't have that with you. Um, So here's what he says, first couple verses. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit, and all hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. So it's like, basically he's saying, um, put away all social media right there. <laughs> um, he says, like, new, like, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So what he's, he's giving them a challenge. He's saying, I want you to be different in the way that you treat other people. Um, it's very easy right now, it's very tempting right now, to try to treat other people the way that you're being treated. But we have to resist that temptation. We have to resist that temptation. We have to instead um, treat people differently the way that God would want us to treat them. He gives a couple things. He says, no more malice, which is anger. No more envy or jealousy. No more lying or hypocrisy. I was watching, um, something on YouTube this week, and it was about scammers um, doing these computer scams. And this guy that actually scams the scammers, I, I, that's pretty fun to watch. So they kind of hack into your computer, but he's hacking into their computer. And so he basically confronts them on this. And they're th- the whole time, they're lying through their teeth. They're in some other country, but they're saying that they're in California. And they're running this scam. They're lying the entire time. And even when the truth is presented right in front of them, and he confronts them with it, they still continue their lie and deny that they're actually even lying or scamming people. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I'm like, it's hard for me to believe that there are people who do this deliberately, like on purpose, lying and scamming and cheating people. And uh, it's just, it kind of blows my mind. But we would never do that, right? Like we would never deceive people, or we would never tell things that aren't true to people. Um, but we have, to, like, there's times when we do, right? There's times when we are also doing these things. And Peter's saying, I just want to encourage you that with God in your life, uh, you need to allow him to change you to be, and how you treat other people, that we aren't people who are filled with anger and malice, that we allow God to fill us with love and grace, and we don't re- respond in kind when people um, treat us away. We don't respond the same way back. I like that, the way that um, the message paraphrase says it, uh, says a couple verses here in, in chapter two. It says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Now that is a line right there. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there in, uh, to join in the celebration when he arrives. He's saying, don't get caught up in playing those games. Instead, live to represent Christ, and uh, you'll refute any of their arguments just simply by the way that you live. So be different in the way that you treat others. Um, one of the challenges that we face right now as, as Christians or those people of faith is there's a lot of uh, things that seek to divide people right now. And especially, it's also true in the church. Uh, it's true of Christians. Um, author Tim Keller uh, said this recently on a podcast I was listening to. He said, as he studies the Bible, there are four key things that Christians should be sold out to. And we see these uh, at play in our culture. The four things are, uh, we should be sold out to the cause of the poor and the powerless. That as Christians, we should champion um, providing for those who have needs and those who need protection. Number two, that we should be sold out to racial injustice. That As you read this book, um, God is for all people, and as Christians, we should be for all people, right? Um, the third issue is that we should be sold out to the cause and the protection of the unborn. It's not a popular topic or subject, but as we read about the dignity of human life, um, that needs to be more important than other things that might violate that. So we need to be sold out to that cause. And number four, that we would be sold out to the cause of traditional marriage, at least for Christians, being between a husband and a wife or a man and a woman. And he said the challenge for Christians is that two of these topics seem to be fairly left-leaning, the cause of the poor and the the marginalized and racial injustice, and two of them seem to be fairly right-leaning. Um, the protection of the unborn, and traditional marriage. He said that tends to even take Christians and seek to divide them instead of uniting them. The challenge that we have is to rise above all of these issues and allow Jesus to unite us, right? To allow ourselves to be different and to not be simply limited to political parties or to certain cultural issues, but to be people of God's book and people of the gospel. Um, Amen to that, church? So God wants us to be united around those things and not divided. He calls us to be a unique people um, in a time when um, things are seeking to divide us. So He wants us to treat other people differently. The second challenge is this: that He ca- He calls us, challenges us to be different in how we view what God is doing. So He wants us to have a picture and perspective. That God is at work, even if you can't see it or if it doesn't feel like it. Um, Look at these verses, the next couple of verses. Here's what he's explaining to them. So he starts out by saying, uh, don't treat people with malice or envy or deceit. He goes on in verse 4 and says, as you come to God, a living stone rejected by men, but in sight of God chosen and precious, he says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual House. So, what he's saying to them to encourage them is, even though it may not feel like it, God is at work building you into a strong, overcoming follower of Jesus. He is building you into a spiritual house. I just—I'm being honest with you. There are just so many times when I just don't feel like that in my own life. Like I just don't feel like I'm being victorious or like I'm growing or like I have. God's strength but he just reminded them encouraging them that you'd have a different view and just trust by faith that God is building you up that God does say you know what you are the raw material that I am choosing to work with not perfect but imperfect and I am at work in your life whether you feel like it or not but too often you know we feel just the opposite don't we I do. I mean, maybe I'm the only one. Um, and that's fine. You guys came to the wrong church, but <laughs> uh, so lately I've been doing some remodeling uh, in our house, and uh, I know just enough to be dangerous. Like that's kind of a, but I feel like I'm smart enough, like I can figure it out, and with, with me and YouTube, we can make it happen. <laughs> and so, um, you know, one thing I'm working on right now is doing some wiring in our basement, electrical work. And you don't want to mess around with that. That's the kind of stuff that will, you know, end end your day bad. You know, <laughs> but uh, I know enough to, uh, to 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 do some of that. But there is a lot of work that goes into wiring. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take a couple things off of some of the circuits in my house, and then do some new circuits for some lighting and for some bedrooms in our basement. And my head is ready to explode. Uh, like this is not easy stuff to wrap your mind around. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it. You've got to run wires to every single thing that has electricity. I know it's mind blowing, right? <laughs> but we just we walk into a room and we take it for granted. We flip on a switch and something magic happens. We don't even give a second thought to all that's going on behind the scenes. But just let me just trust me. There's a lot going on <laughs> behind the scenes, and I think that is so so true and so appropriate. What Peter is saying to them just know that there's a lot going on behind the scenes, that God is at work in your life, that he is building you into a spiritual house, he says. And it's not just an individual thing. It's also an, an us thing, a collective thing, that God's desire has always been, uh, he's good enough to work in your life as an individual, but he's, he's always had a desire to gather a group of people that will follow after him and live according to his ways, And make a difference in this world. This world is not getting out of God's control. It is headed perfectly in the direction that God wants it to head, and ultimately for his purposes. Do you believe that? Uh, Things are crazy, right? But that God is in control, that God is doing something, and brick by brick, and moment by moment, and challenge by challenge, God is building you, and he's building a movement of people who will represent him in the world. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God. So God's the one doing it. He reconciled himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. So what he's saying is that Our job now is to represent God in the world, the ways of God. Um, This love and this grace and this good news is what we're to be characterized by. Um, Author John Mark Comer um, says that we are a people of a future kingdom. So as we align ourselves with Christ, we will one day uh, rule with Christ. I know this this language is kind of weird and kind of um, hard to wrap our minds around. But there's a future kingdom that we believe that God is, is working toward, where one day everything will be exactly the way that God designed it to be, right? Um, that's what we believe. So we are people who are being recruited and brought into this family that God is building. That future kingdom, though, we, we are people of this future kingdom that God is building, and our job is to help bring some of those things here and now. The love that, that God has he wants us to demonstrate to that, that to people right now. He wants us to surprise them with grace. He wants us to be different. So the third thing, the third challenge is this. He challenges his readers and he challenges us to be different in how you view who you are in Jesus. So this is a, it's about identity. And listen to some of the words that he describes uh, in, in starting in verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It's very interesting language. He writes this to them, and he says, "...but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." The language is kind of uh, challenging, and it almost seems cryptic. He says, you are a chosen race. That's a really loaded phrase right now. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> the thing is, he's writing to people that it has nothing to do with the color of their skin or nothing to do with their, their background. But Actually, the word that's used here is, th- is the Greek word ethnos, where we get the English word Ethnicity. So he's literally saying that you are a chosen group of people, and it's not in the sense of privilege or anything like that, but it's a sense of you are chosen to represent me in this world, and God is drawing together a group of people as a part of a spiritual family um, to to really usher in or to be a part of making a difference in this world uh, the way that God wants us to. He says, I'm building a new kind of people, a new community, one that triumphs in the midst of trials. So, the challenge for us is how do we live different, right, in a time when um, it's hard? How do we live different in a time when it's hard? And so I think um, what he's saying to to us in these verses is that God is desiring to take a group of people and work in their lives and have him be the center so they can represent him in the world. So what I want to encourage you to do, I want to give you two different specific challenges. I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to encourage you to lean in and to look out. I made them with L so that you could remember them easily, okay? In a time when it's easy to be divided, I want to challenge you to lean in um, to relationships with other people. Um, so, this past, so, okay, a little confession. As an introvert, these past couple months have not been all bad, all right? Um, but uh, yesterday, I got to hang out with some friends. Um, you know, our couple families got together. We were all safe. We were outdoors. We were having lots of fun. And,. I got to spend time together, and I walked away from that just being refreshed in my soul. My soul needed that. I needed to be reminded that I have friends. That was an important reminder. Like, I actually do have friends. That's encouraging. Um, That there are people who um, are following Jesus um, as well, right? I needed to be reminded of these things. So, in a time when it's difficult and it takes extra work to lean into each other, I want to challenge you to take some steps to lean in uh, to who we are together. I just want to remind you of some things that I talked about earlier as opportunities for that. We designed these specifically because we know that this is how God designed us. So dinner for eight. Sign up for dinner for eight. Sign up for a study group. Uh, we also have a young adults group. Gigi, are they meeting tonight? I know you're not necessarily leading. Are you leading it? It's Is that your house? Okay, it's at his house. <laughs> Young adults, so if you are a young adult, whatever that means, uh, 18 to 75, immature immature. immature adults, young adult, young at heart, uh, they they connect once a month. I want to encourage you to lean in. Your soul needs that. Your soul needs that. Our students, student ministry, uh, grades 6 through 12, they meet here on Wednesday evenings. Um, Their soul needs that. Um, our leaders do such a great job in leading them, don't allow other things, right, you come mask on, that's, that's completely fine, that's great, don't allow anything to keep you from what is going to help nourish your soul, so lean in, um, Rudyard Kipling, I love this, this quote, this is, this will uh, light a fire under you, it says, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack, it's not super spiritual, but I just like the quote, there's, there's a lot of spiritual truth in that, uh, that we encourage each other, and it's very important that we have spiritual encouragement in our lives. So lean into who we are together. Take a step to connect with other people um, who can help you grow in your faith. And then uh, number two, look out. Look out for ways to show how Jesus is different or how God makes all the difference. Um, when I was younger, one of my favorite things to do, was I, my dad was a pastor, and I would Go to church on Sundays, and I would come home. We'd eat lunch as quick as we could, and then after lunch, we'd rush outside to the schoolyard, and there'd be a group of people playing football. Um, we didn't have pads, we'd just do like touch football. Sometimes it would turn into tackle until uh, somebody got hurt. But we'd play football together. So I was like elementary age, and uh, my favorite thing to do I was never one of the linesmen, I was never one of the big guys up front hiking the ball. I was always like the running back, or some, just some kind of running position was what I was. Um, So my favorite thing to do, I'm not sure why I remember this, but I just remember doing this and just laughing the entire time, but um, because I was always pretty small, I was always pretty quick, and so I would get the football, either catch it or I would be running with the football, and I just loved, I loved, I loved when somebody was coming up behind me, you could just feel them coming, like they're coming to get you, and all of a sudden you stop and you go the opposite direction and they just go flying by, (laughs) and I would just do that and just laugh and chuckle, like it was just there's so much joy in my heart uh, when that happened. But um, what I want to encourage you to do uh, is when someone expects you to do one thing, that you would surprise them and do something completely different. That when somebody expects you to respond with hatred or anger, that you would stop right then and just do a little Jesus juke on them. Just like they're expecting you to go this way, and you're like, no, I'm not going to respond that way. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to respond and represent Christ in this way. When you feel like whatever it is, that you would stop just for a moment and allow your life to show what difference God makes um, in the world. (laughs) I do believe that the power of the church, meaning those who follow together, is not in its ability to be the same as everyone else, but it's in its ability to be different in the right ways. Uh, We can be different in the wrong ways. Did you know that? Possible to be different in the wrong ways. There are some segments of Christianity that say we're going to be different in these ways, but those ways often aren't the ways that make a difference, but we're called to be different in the right ways, the ways that make a difference. I'll finish with this quote. Um, It says, once a church, meaning group of followers of Jesus, was a brave and revolutionary fellowship, changing the course of history by the introduction of discordant or different ideas. Today, it is a place where people go and sit on comfortable benches. They wait patiently until time to go home to their Sunday dinners. Many have refused to be a part of this movement, not because the movement has demanded too much of them, but because it has demanded too little. The criticism is not that this movement is too different from the world, but that it is too much like the world. The humiliating truth is that no Christian group of people has ever truly challenged them. And I just love that Peter is calling them out. And he's saying, You are different god in your life makes you different now go live that way shine the light of god into this world and church i believe that we can do that amen that we can do that that dawn is coming that god is at work so let's pray god thank you for this uh, time to be together thank you for the reminders that we get from your word Um, thank you for teaching us and training us and directing us God, thank you for reminding us that we will overcome. That, that in Jesus and because of Jesus, um, our lives can be different. And uh, we just thank you for this time. Encourage us. Help us to lean into each other and uh, to be a, a difference maker in the world. In your name we pray. Amen.